0: My conversation today is with Ivo Dominguez Jr. Evo is an author, teacher, and practitioner of magic and the occult arts. A seasoned and self-proclaimed witch, he has been active in the Wicca and pagan communities since 1978, and he's been teaching since 1982. Two of Evo's books also happen to be personal favorites of mine on the subjects of astrology and visualization and meditation as they pertain to the practice of magic these being practical astrology for witches and pagans, and keys to perception. Ivo and I sat down to talk about his trajectory through the Western Mysteries and his particular milieu within the Wiccan and Pagan communities, as well as his perspectives on the importance of practical application in magic and finding the powers of the observable universe within. I'm Ike Baker, and this is the Arcanum Podcast. I know that you are very vocal as a practitioner of of magic and of ritual and things like that. I love that, so am I. But um, you specifically, uh, I guess the category you would use is is witch. Am I am I correct in that?
1: Yeah, and that's a complicated thing all by itself.
0: Right. So, <laughs> right. So there's so much going on there. I, I was wondering how. If you do get the question, how do you explain it in order to differentiate it from other types of magical or spiritual
1: paths? What does it mean to you? Okay. Well, I'll start with how it came about that I chose that term. Because, honestly, uh, if you had met me when I was in my uh, late teens, uh, early 20s, I would have said, oh, I'm I'm a magician. Probably. 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 And I think that was primarily because my father was a professor. And uh, at that time, if your dad or, or mom was a professor, you automatically got the magical library card to give you access to the university library. So I was able to spend hours and hours in the library and go to interlibrary loan and ask them, hey, I want you to find me this rare tome. And they took me seriously. So the vast majority of the material that I was exposed to initially would definitely fall into the Western mysteries, Western magic tradition. And yeah, I also had um, a lot of time that I spent outdoors in nature. And I was a a kid that was likely to wander off into the woods with a book and uh, return somehow miraculously just in time to meet curfew getting home. So so that I had a strong connection to nature. The other bit is that my experience at the time was that ceremonialists were not terribly community-minded. There was a great deal of focus on the individual, and that leads to uh, ultimately why I chose which even though, not to say that there are plenty of witches that are uh, solitary and uh, very much individualist, but there's a, a greater culture of community, especially uh, in the last, I'm going to say, 30 years or so, that's been more the case as well. And as it turned out, uh, the very first real world contact I had with a magical practitioner was somebody who was a witch. And I've told this story many times, but My parents were very insistent, you know, uh, you know, sound mind, sound body, yada, yada. So I had to find some kind of physical activity. uh, And I was not terribly interested in sports at school. Uh, I was a good runner, but I had, once again, a solitary sport. But so, but I got them to agree to the following. Um, My high school was walking distance to the university campus where my dad taught. So the school, and I was a good student. So the school agreed, sure, we'll let him do that. So, I would leave camp, leave the high school campus, go to the UD campus, and I would go to fence. And fencing was my sport because that wasn't something available at the, at the high school and something that appealed to me on multiple levels. And I got pretty good at it. I, I, there was a, a brief flirtation, like, I could be good. And honestly, I could probably get onto the Olympic team because there's not much competition in the United States, especially then, but you know, other things took my interest. However, changing in the, in the locker room real fast. And this other, and this other guy who was also a fencer was there. And to my, you know, teenage young teenage eyes, uh, they looked ancient, which meant that they were grad students at the time. (laughs) And as they were changing out from underneath popped their t-shirt, popped a tiny little pentacle and my eyes went straight to it. And I said, "Oh." Are you are you Alexandrian? Are you Gardnerian? Are you Georgian? are you? And his eyes got really big because this minor in the locker room is ba- and he's basically said, stop talking, let's take this outside. <laughs> and, and and of course in retrospect I understood just the the horrible dilemma that he felt suddenly he was being thrust into. So he went outside and he said, look, you're underage no no Covenworth at salt would take you. however, and this was using the magical object of that era i said if he said if you give me a pile of self-addressed stamped envelopes which was the thing of the era then you will receive the newsletter that our group puts out and when you come of age you can come to our things so as soon as i turned 18 i managed to catch bus and go to a uh, picnic back then it was the before the era of the uh, uh, pagan festival camping festival scene or the conference scene so people actually would you know get a pavilion at a public uh, uh park or forest and pretend that they're having a cookout and picnic but really it was together together and and talk about magic so my initial contact with community was witch and i and when we uh, ended up creating the uh, collectively the tradition that we're part of we went with it because of its connections to working collectively more so than is generally the pattern. Not that lodges don't exist, but really, it's it's a different kind of hierarchy and it has a different purpose in mind.
0: That's excellent. Okay. That's a that's a wonderful story, actually. Um, uh, you know, it, not everybody has like really cool stories like that, so that's <laughs> that's good to hear.
1: I am um, a weird magnet.
0: Well, I you know, i I did get the sense in in some of your writings actually that you you seem to be absolutely trained by either someone well versed in the Western initiatic traditions or or had you know studied well the great Arcanum. So uh, I, I definitely um you definitely get that sense out of it. That's why I asked the question what, what where did which come in?
1: Yeah, which came in primarily through the those were the communities that I connected with. I had a, a profound love of nature and still do live. I actually, uh, the picture behind me <clears throat> in this is actually a picture taken on the land I live on. Um, that's what it'll look like in a couple of months. It's still pretty cold here. That's so, excellent. But I will say that um, two of the people that I consider to be primary influences, teachers in my life, uh, include uh, Dolores Ashcroft Nowitzki, who was the director for Servants of the Light for many, many years. And a lesser-known person named Shakma Windrum, mm. um, and and uh, both of them uh, come from the ceremonial stream of things. If I had to, if I had to pick teachers in the witchcraft community, I'll probably you know point at people like uh, oh I don't know I was definitely influenced by a uh, Lady Antigone of Keepers of Ancient Mysteries and a bunch of others. So I can point at a variety of teachers but I would say that my initial reading was primarily Western mysteries and two of my primary teachers. Now, interestingly enough, uh, for in both cases, uh, both Dolores and Shakma, I, I, I declined initiation from both of them. And uh, the reason was that I had already made as many oaths and promises to other things that I could possibly keep. So I said, I can't make these pledges I can't make these oaths because I'm already up to my gills and other uh, commitments. However, um, you know, when 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 Shakma passed, I was the person that she had selected to uh, do her her uh, memorial service. Uh, Dolores and I still are remarkably close, and and I think of her as my other mom, um, even though she's away on the Isle of Jersey and she's in her mid 90s. And the occasional zoom, and that's about it nowadays. But so. There, there, it depends on where the conversation goes, but there's a lot of ways that different things got woven in. One of the uh, first people that was a part of the founding group of the tradition I'm part of, uh, her prior experience was primarily in the Sabian Assembly. I don't know if you if you've run across. So yes. you know, so it so how so I I've had the very good fortune. Of uh, being a confluence of, of many influences at many places in my life, and I'm very grateful for it. Yes, uh, that is in,
0: that, you sound incredibly well-rounded, uh, sir. Uh, but you you also get, or at least I get the sense of that from your work, right? So I, um, I had picked up your book, uh, uh, Keys to Perception." And, oh, yeah. it, and like like hundreds, literally hundreds of other books, it sat on my shelf for a while right and then a, a friend of mine that i had i had known for uh through um an initiatic order who was much more of uh, was also um plugged into the pagan communities and things like that in this area mm-hmm. over here she gave me she highly recommended um astrology for uh for witches practical and pagans astro- practical
1: astrology yeah, for witches right, and right exactly
0: and so i <laughs> my my training being in you know western magic primarily the hermetic order of dawn yeah yeah i uh you know at first i was just kind of like you know is this going to be more new agey kind of stuff that is 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 is, it's everything has value everything but it's just not really my not really my cup of tea yeah she insisted that i give it a shot right by 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 uh invoking the old adage don't judge a book by its cover. I, right. I grabbed the thing, I, I I devoured it in a day, and to this day, it's one of the best books on astrology I have ever read. And I took I took notes. Um, I still use in, in certain and I always give you credit, I still use in certain uh classes the astral temple meditation because right, that right. visualization is incredible in getting mm-hmm. you to figure out. Just how all these moving parts work synchronously. And to me, there is no aside from really going outside and looking up at the night sky, which still it's 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 hard to get a sense that is the mm-hmm. best exercise it was the, it was the best way for me to to kind of understand how everything in astrology um was interwoven so you know i find that your your writing is well-rounded in a way that is deeply satisfying to people who do crave a little bit more of the intellectual stuff and the reasoning behind you know um why, why things are classified the way they are and then also you know there's a there's a tremendous part of me i'm uh that i live extremely extremely rurally as you do I I am nourished by being out in nature and uh you know I I take frequent trips to to Greece to to just because that's I'm of Greek heritage to just go there and just be around those old pagan temples and and bathe in that energy and and stuff like that so I really felt like your work um it, it satisfied both parts of me. And so I kind of recognized
1: that maybe there was also that in you too, right? So, <laughs> Yeah, uh, it, though, uh, I'll, I'll tell you that um, uh, the astrology book, and, and I'm, I'm happy the way it turned out. Though so it's been interesting, the feedback people that are in life. It's people really, really love it. Um, and they're the people it's for. And then my friends who are astrologer with a capital A were like, we were really hoping you would write something for us. <laughs> of course, <laughs> and, and I said the whole point of the book was to try to introduce astrology uh, so that a greater number of people could, you know, make it work in their practice, as opposed to, you know, when the time comes, I'll, I'll write something that is meant just for the, you know, one third of one percent of people that consider themselves astrologers with capital A, for whom that would be interesting. <laughs> And, and honestly, if if anything, uh, most of the time, and uh, when, I'm, when I'm teaching a class or I'm writing, my goal is to try to make things as accessible as possible, because I plowed through a crap ton, that's the proper technical term, a crap ton of books that were intentionally written to, to be off-putting or pedantic. And or, or or filled with with uh, uh, little cul-de-sacs you had to work yourself out of. And I get it, and I know why I understand why they thought that was cool at the time. I don't think it's cool. Right. Mysteries um, protect
0: themselves. Right, exactly. I mean, I try and remind people they're called mysteries for a reason. Um yeah. <laughs> you know, they're they're kind of self-keeping secrets to a degree, but yep. um it's uh it's interesting that you say that, that you come from that, that practical standpoint, right? Because there, there is a lot of, uh, yes, there's so much theory. There's so much theory right now. And it's like magic doesn't come to life unless you do it. Right. It's a verb. So, um, you need yeah. the theory. That's, Absolutely. that's where I like Absolutely. what you, I, Absolutely. that's where I love Absolutely. what you've done is that there is theory. It's not just, uh-huh. um, uh-huh. it's not simply whatever feels right. Uh, because I think at a certain point, using the theory, you can get to a
1: point where it feels even better. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, the example I often give is, it, and uh, your musical talents may vary, but most people get the idea. So if you see a bunch of musicians, in particular jazz musicians, but it doesn't have to be, and after a few moments on stage, they suddenly just decide to go off in a dozen different directions and improvise something amazing together. And it sounds uh, coherent and musical and it has progression and all these cool things. And there's no musical score in front of them. However, people go, oh, this is because they're, it's coming from their soul. It's coming from their gut. And I'm saying, yes, but they also have deeply ingrained. These are the chord progressions. These are the riffs. This is how you shift from this key to that key without it sounding like a train wreck. So all the structure is so deeply ingrained in them that they can then go crazy. Uh, And and I feel that if you you deeply understand why things work in a particular way, and even if that's not the way they work, by the way, because most of the times when magicians or witches come up with a mechanism of action, what they're really coming up with is not a mechanism of action, but an interface that fits and works. Yes. So, so no, I, I think it gives you more freedom if you actually absorb the theory and and the structure. Then you can go crazy, and it doesn't sound like crap. Right. Yeah. And and I think at that point, right, I, I am I,
0: I, I, I do happen to be a musician for many years. I I did that. It was kind of my first real career. But um, what I found is, you know, that improvisation, like you're saying which which is you know the the underlying substance of it being all that ingrained information and and muscle memory yes. it allows you it allows you also to truly express yourself oh, you know Jesus. in a, in a way where you the music is what you are for for a time period you know it's it, it's like a sh- it's almost stream of consciousness expressive so um i
1: i love that analogy do you happen to play do you play anything you musician Oh, uh, yes and no. So here, here I love music, and I've written a bazillion chants. And there was a brief stint in my existence where I played saxophone in high school band, but that was it. You know, it I'm honestly going to say that I'm one of those people who has a classic Sag in the Sagittarian in this perspective. I have too many interests, so I have to <laughs> constantly work to to uh, prune it down to the number of things that I actually have hours in the day for. And sadly, I gave up a lot of things except the occasional chant writing. Yeah, well, and that's, way too, that's and way too much music stored on my computer. I have like, I think I have like seven and a half days of music before it would repeat. Wow! Yeah, <laughs> wow! So
0: <laughs> after 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 the uh, after the official podcast, I'll have to get a couple of recommendations from you. <laughs> I I use music a lot in uh, in sort of a ritual and and visualization yeah, yeah, context. Yeah, yeah. But what's what also kind of very much interests me or or draws me to your work is is um, that idea of being practical about stuff. So, I mean, what are some of the ways right now in which you're you're kind of using magic or astrology or something like that in your your day to day life within, I guess the microcosm of of your environment i know a lot of people that listen to this and a lot of people that have been on the, the podcast are you know in this vein, and they also happen to be, you know like yourself writers authors things like that creatives so um i don't know i i guess how would you what what kind of things do you use to uh i guess traverse or navigate your life day to day that are informed by magic
1: All right. Uh, As as a for example, uh, the neighbors needed uh, some help moving a wood stove into their house. And it's a a lovely soapstone wood stove. So it'll hold the heat for a long time, which means it is really heavy. So uh, I was one of the only people available and there was a narrow little door. and, and, And so that there were three of us trying to carry this wood stove in. And just before going in there, I I, I drew up some energy, I connected to the celestial sky within, I scribed on my thighs and on my arms, the sigil for for Mars, and I breathed in that red martial energy, and I will tell you that I didn't hurt myself, and for the, the period of 15, 20 minutes that was required to get that wood stove in place, I was temporarily stronger than I normally am. That's amazing. That's that's excellent. I, mean, I uh, and, and it, but I'm going to say people go. So can I do that too? And it's like yes, as soon as you can close your eyes and find where Mars lives inside you.
0: Right, right. That's an excellent analogy. It's it's just so cool because there, there's so right there's there's so many people that I meet um, that I think are hungry for to, for the application of magic in in things that, and it just never crosses their mind you know and it didn't for me for a really long time too it never crossed my mind that i could use it for something as mundane or as you know quote unquote simple as drawing drawing physical strength and and vitality and energy and i think that's a really really good example of it i i'll use i'll use mars if i like i guess mm-hmm. sort of like an etheric or energetic cup of coffee yeah. when yeah. i i don't have
1: one available you know? right oh um I, I travel a fair amount because of, you know, now that they at least COVID is still a big issue in the world. Let's not minimize it. But people are traveling more, and I am too. And uh, I don't travel with everything that I need magically or whatever. So um, you, you're probably familiar with the practice of uh, of uh, the memory palace where you create a, a building or a palace or a place in your mind to store memory and, and have easy access to it. Yep. Well, my memory palace has a garden attached to it. And in that garden, I have the herbs that I most commonly use, either for medicinal or magical purposes. And there are plants that I've actually held in my hand in, in real life and smell them, and I know what they are. And then so that, let's say I'm traveling and I get an upset tummy. I will go into my memory garden. I will pluck some some peppermint from that garden, and I will then come back into this consciousness, and I will see myself dropping the peppermint into my mug or my water bottle and sipping on it to soothe my belly so uh, so that and, and people say well why does that work and it's like well because i know that plant and i have formed a relationship with that energy pattern and i know it and it's no crazier than homeopathy because it's really just the energy imprint on the water that i'm drinking in but i've but i've stored it within me
0: that's awesome, man. That's such a cool technique. I'm gonna have to give that a I'm gonna have to give that a shot. Give it a try. Yeah. I'm just starting getting we're just starting getting growing season ready here. We're doing some uh some indoor stuff and um yep. plants are really taking off. We uh you know, working by the moon and all that stuff, but recently switched over to 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 Sidereal because of actually an interview yeah. I, I had on this particular uh podcast with um and and an alchemist who runs a research academy uh, named Phoenix Aurelius. I don't know if you've heard of him or, or anything like that, but yep. he's he's done a, a lot of really cool work um, researching these things uh, in in the most controlled uh, yep. experimental way possible. But um, it, it's it's just excellent to be using magic in that context, and it's it's super refreshing to to see the way. That uh, I just feel like that it's so important more people should be writing books about these kinds of techniques. you know, are you are you working on anything? Is that
1: something that you could talk about? is so i'm I'm working on too many things at once. and I, actually yesterday I talk a, I taught a, a Zoom class on um, spells, operative magic, and workings, just as a, you know, as, as a practical application thing. And I am working on, one project that's got a home already and one that will eventually so um starting june of this year uh, every month there will be a book released of which i've written half of and then a secondary author. and it's a series called uh you know the witch's sun sign and it focuses on uh, the tapping into the power of your sun sign as a witch, short little books. And they're meant meant for uh, more more of an introductory thing for people. But so, yeah, the last year, we need you to um, write half of each book, find the writers for all the other bits and pieces. And we want all 12 books done in a 14-month period. And I said, sure, I'm crazy. Wow. Now, now they're short books. They're short books. They're only like uh, 40,000 words each. Nonetheless, it's a lot. At the same time that I've been doing that, uh, which I think is a valuable thing for people, I've been doing a side project that I will send off to publishers to see who wants it. And that's a book that is the flip side to Keys to Perception. It's uh, my working title in my head, which they won't use, is Level Up. But it uh, is basically all the active stuff, raising, shaping, containing, moving energy. So it's all the active uh, techniques as opposed to the receptions. So in the works, uh, that one's about halfway written. It's what I've been doing to cleanse my paladin between the astrology uh, witch sign books books. So I keep busy. And and in April, I'm, I'm one of the organizers for a big uh, mid-Atlantic states uh, between the World Sacred Space Conference. So I don't stop moving much.
0: Yeah, I that tends to be a trend with, with people who who uh get super deep into, into uh this kind of stuff and magic. I mean, but but like you're saying, you know, you 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 probably have techniques for pulling energy in where you need to and and focus and things like that.
1: So uh um it's 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 not the it's not the uh, uh it's not the painting of Dorian Gray, but um so here's two two, two things. Uh, so I have a uh, on an index card uh, when I was uh, I think like 18, 19, I painted uh, a a tarot card of me to use a significator in, in readings. But I still have it, and I actually it, it's kind of like this is the this is an imprint of of me when I was at my physical prime. So I have and and I kind of use that kind of like a little tuning fork for what my energy should feel like. I also have a small fire agate that honestly, and it, it could be anything. And every time that I'm feeling particularly vital and feeling really, really good, I go, go grab that stone and pour myself into it. Now, what do I use? The, I use them as a, as a way to check in, like, what's wrong with my energy? What do I need to do to move it towards a more vital place? And the fire agate is the, if somebody is a healer that's going to work on me, I basically put it in their hand and say, hey, tune into this. That's what my template should feel like. Wow!
0: Wow, that's excellent. Man. It's it's it sounds like a uh, like a magical science. This is this is actual wizardry we're
1: talking about right here. Well, and and one of the things is that uh, I don't publish uh, a blog or uh, put something in my books that hasn't been thoroughly tested by other people, not just me, because mm-hmm. things that work for you may or may not uh, translate for other people. So what before so I have people that basically beta test things or the Covens in our traditional often go, here do you want to try this? Tell me what, what it feels like. We don't have it anymore. Well, but we have one. <clears throat> On the property, we have a pole barn that we used to have a room in it that we called the blast chamber. Now it's been moved to a circle out in the woods. But if we're gonna do something that's iffy and we don't know if it's going to work well or blow up in our face. Uh, we either we, we used to use that room and now we use a space outdoors because you don't want to do that kind of stuff in your house or in your backyard where you live if something goes wrong and you need to clean it up later. Right. But yeah. no, t- testing is important um, and, and refining. Uh, nobody ever gets a, a formula or a technique or a ritual or working perfect the first time through
0: yeah i i think that that's that was one of the biggest boons for me in joining an esoteric order coming out of um i needed structure i was in a point in my life where, yeah. where i really desperately needed some kind of structure and that's kind of i could have gone a solo practitioner route because I, I i i there's still that part of me that's so almost like so individualistic that it kind of misses the point and shoots itself in the foot every once in a while <laughs> yeah but yeah. but um but so there's there's still that there, but at the time it, it just needed to be reined in. And and one of the um the two biggest boons of it was keeping a journal, a written record of my experiences that that you know I still refer to as the you know quote unquote uh empirical record, right? Because yeah, yeah, magic is not necessarily so much scientific as it is empirical, you can these things are, are, there is a level of empiricism to them. And, uh, and also meditation, you know, Um, maybe Mm -hmm. not in the, in the, the, the the truest sense or the purest sense of, of that word, but uh, concentration. And I, I liked, um, Mm -hmm. I liked the, I think the way that you had put it in keys to perception was polishing the mirror of the mind. Yeah. So that has stuck with me um, just as a visual again, the visuals you provide are really, really, um, I think that they, they're, they're very, very positive. And by that, I mean active images for people who, who have a magical imagination, right? Cause it's, that's yep, something yep. That, that you train. Uh, and, and it's, it's stuck with me very clearly. And every once in a while, when I feel my life is crazy too. Right. Um, but, but every once in a while when I feel like I'm getting burnout or overwhelmed, mm-hmm. I get that I get that vision of this hand polishing a mirror and I know exactly I know exactly what it means I have to sit and uh, and be still and be centered and um, I regard that kind of like as one of the first lessons of magic I mean w- w- would you agree with that you know I mean there's a lot of of, of clearing out to be done before you can begin as you're saying to go on to part two the active stuff
1: i think so i mean and there's a lot of ways to define or to practice meditation contemplation and and so on and you've got to find the one that you actually do <laughs> uh rather than the one that you think you're supposed to do because that's the one of the first steps and if you don't do it you might have a uh, sporadic success when it so happens that your inner inner world is clean and shiny but,, uh, if you want consistency of result and forward progress, then it's it's basically the uh, the the basic maintenance that is required to make it possible to do the work in a consistent and good way. I mean, you, I know, and people say, well, what about people that seem to be able to do all sorts of amazing stuff, and, and they're a train wreck, and they clearly haven't done any of these meditative or and you and guess what? They're a train wreck. Um, <laughs> and you, just because you can affect um, the outside world with your magic doesn't necessarily mean that it is to your advantage right right yeah and and
0: i think that uh certain uh, another aspect of i guess prerequisite work for magic to me is is the ordering of your life to a degree um but in a way that in in, not in a way that's kind of arbitrary or you know legalistic or militaristic but in a way Or, or monastic right exactly i mean you know for some people, you could that if that's if that's you. Yeah, yeah. It, it's 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 not, but it's not me. But I have found that that like sort of ordering it the way mm-hmm. that nature orders itself, you know, where it's yeah, kind of yeah. this 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 seamless whole. Even if even if it, if it if it resembles chaos, there's definitely an underlying order that doesn't get broken.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah I see that. I mean. Uh, from the outside, people look like uh, your life has is, 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 uh, got too many things in the air at once. You're doing too many things. How can you possibly? And yet at night, I put my head down and I fall straight asleep. And uh, I wake up and I have energy to do it again. Uh, my what, uh, Here's what I'm going to suggest is the the uh, compass that I use for, this, for deciding, am I doing the right things? Am I doing it right? If I continue to have energy and vitality to do things, then I'm doing it right. Because my general principle is, if you're in alignment with what you're supposed to be doing, you're granted more access to your energy into your core. If you fall out of alignment with what you're supposed to be doing and what your core is, then you have a uh, diminishing access to, to a life force. That's excellent
0: advice. Um, and it's definitely uh, <clears throat> I mean, just candidly, it's coming at the right time for me.
1: <laughs> so thank you for that yeah i mean i mean i mean uh i mean i'm sixty four i'll be sixty five this year and i i mean I can tell I've slowed down, but other people go, really yeah i mean and, and how much yeah.
0: how much do you think you're in your actual physical environment you know people like us choose to kind of we do a lot of stuff we we get involved with with large groups of people i mean you have an influence obviously that reaches at the very least as far as me in distance um yet we kind of live rurally in the middle of nowhere easy access to nature sort, sort of stuff uh, you know i find that 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 has um it's improved my quality of mind i mean do, do you yeah. think that you draw energy and vitality, um? In any kind of way absolutely. just
1: from where you've chosen to live yeah absolutely and and i have friends who, who who can draw vitality from cityscapes because that's the way they're wired and how they work but uh for me to recharge fully and deeply uh being out in nature is an important thing for me and i also also going to say it seems like for some people a pain in the butt however and it's like today it was especially cold so but My routine of, uh, you know, I have to, you know, feed and water the chickens and check for eggs in the morning. Uh, We're starting seedlings inside and the garden is its own thing. Uh, We keep bees and and bees are actually remarkably high maintenance nowadays for a variety of reasons. And those things uh, get me up and moving and connecting with nature. Even, yes, I love it when I go out and sit outside in the woods. But simply the actions uh, of, of doing these things that seem fairly mundane uh, connect me with the world. And, I, and every time I'm outside taking care of the garden, taking care of the bees or the chickens, I notice things. I notice flowers. I notice leaves. I notice the sky. Uh, there's, there's never a time that I don't take something back with me from that. And find what feeds you for some. I mean, like I said, I have pet friends for whom the city is the place where they are most alive. And for me, this is where I live and uh urban environments are where i go for particular events or particular conferences or gatherings or whatnot uh and that's part of my work but not all of it i will say though that uh, because i mentioned it yesterday i have uh, a little puppet made that's me and people go well what's that one for oh that's my puppet that's surrounded by a whole crap ton of uh protection and is sitting on my birth chart so that because i show up on people's inner landscape and on their radar when i teach or go to a conference or a gathering or they read something of mine or they saw me online um if you are even the and let's let's real i'm a medium-sized fish in a small pond because the, the occult pagan community isn't that big really but they're focused thinkers and I, I think that if you're going to be quasi public or public, you need to set up some kind of firewall between your energy and what gets thrown at you on a regular basis.
0: Interesting, because I was, it was just in the past week I, to the to the point where I was like looking up um, what was going on astrologically and and any trends and stuff like that. I I had been um, experiencing like a really really hard time, and it almost felt it it almost felt like there was some kind of e- external energy that was interfering with uh with stuff specifically regarding what i do with this podcast and with like youtube lectures and stuff like that it was so hyper specific to this stuff that it got me thinking like i think i need to up my Sort of protection, as you're saying. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and the thing is, 90, and like most things, nine times out of 10, it's not like somebody is, is uh, doing a, a, a malicious working against you. But let's be real. Uh, if people are thinking about, feeling emotions, focusing on, they're sending. There's no intention to do harm or mal, but uh, if somebody gets worked up or, and it, it can even be even a positive thing, like, I'm so excited about that, but... Uh, that's just energy poking at you and, and disrupting your flow. Uh, it, it falls in the same category of when when people. I hardly ever tell people online if uh, if I uh, am ill or need assistance in any way because I don't want three trillion people throwing their good intended uh, healing at me, meaning then getting no sleep or getting inflammation because it's too much energy at the wrong time. You know what I'm saying? It's <laughs> yeah, that's excellent. Yeah, uh, I think.
0: I think I the first time I had ever read about that this idea of people unintentionally sort of um interfering was in uh, sci- uh psychic self defense by Dion Fortune. Oh, yeah. You know she talks she talks about that idea about um you know if somebody's mad at you you may be under you know like a quote unquote psychic attack but it's it's not it's not intended and it's it's not, not, it's, it's yeah. not malicious, but it, it is something very interesting to think about, you know, and, and another thing that you could potentially journal about.
1: <laughs> well, there's something a little extra, actually, I, I talked about this yesterday in the class I did on zoom uh, and I'll give you the very brief version of it. So once upon a time, I saw two magical practitioners that I both knew quite well, and they had, they, they'd been locking horns over a variety of things, but they were like face to face yelling at each other. And it was like, I'm standing there going, I'm just going to stand over here in the corner. And and they were very, you know, intense and very articulate and poking at each other verbally. Yada, yada A few days later, both of them separately call me and say, I think so-and-so cursed me. And I said, uh-uh. And I reported the same thing to both of them. What What I could perceive was I saw flames and 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 lashing tentacles out of each other's auras you guys were like you know this this tornado of of, of intense emotion and here's so both of you i said to both of them go you know go, go take a cleansing bath and and seek out your favorite form of uh energy healing and but here's the problem witches and magicians sorcerers whatever you call yourself spend a lot of time trying to hook up their emotions and ideation to their magical power until it becomes part of that uh, subtle muscle memory to go back to that uh, musical reference you had. So how about this? If you lose your, if you lose your, uh, uh, your, your, your cool and you're all worked up emotionally, you are now more than likely to engage your magical chops because they've been so you've formed a conditioned link between, um, clear uh, strong emotions and clear visualization or clear uh, intention so that even though your person is not actively doing a curse, if you are a magical person, I'm going to exaggerate because it'll stick better. You're in the same category of somebody who is uh, trained in martial arts and was in the military. And if somebody sneaks up from behind you and does the wrong thing, somebody's likely getting a broken nose. Before there's a moment to think about it.
0: Yeah. It's, it's um it's so interesting that you talk about that because i have i have direct experience three very very one of them being pretty recent three very very um unique and kind of i was you know you always got to second guess yourself right you can't you can't just jump to a conclusion but you have to you do have to examine all the the information and um it to me these three particular instances were the clearest example of why in magic, you are constantly admonished right over and over by everybody, um, to learn self-control and to learn, to be at that still point. And, and it is kind of that old cliche, you know, with great power, you know, you you have to be responsible with it and, and, and controlled because at a certain point, yeah, like you're saying, absolutely. Uh, you you can do damage that is completely unintended because of how automatic that is. I think that's a. I mean, it, it's another great point uh, for for practitioners out there and people who are just getting interested in this stuff and and not really sure of its of of how it applies to everything. But that's really again what I love about this conversation and about your work is that there's this holistic consideration of everything, the theory. The practice, the active, the passive, and then the way it, it manifests on an interior level and an exterior uh, in, in your quote unquote magical mirror of the universe. So I I have you know a few questions that I that are are stock, are stock you know they're that I that I ask everybody and I we probably went over this, but will I'll just see what what your response is. How is it that you would say that you experience
1: magic? I'll just leave that there. Hmm. Okay. Um, I mean, I, I mean, uh, I experience it when I'm making it or doing it, whether it's a working or a ritual. Uh, I am uh, fortunate to uh, have the, the full hookup in terms of um, full color sight and sound. And so I, I, I tend to experience visually, uh, seeing the energy moving in a ritual or from, from in between people and objects. Um, I often have changes in the quality of sound in addition to hearing sounds, uh, when I'm doing any kind of magical work. Um, I often, uh, if it's an important, the more important, the working, the more likely this is a uh, day or two before I will get kind of like a, uh, A little pre tremor echo of of what is coming and what will will be like. I often will have um, dreams or uh, or uh, those moments when you're dazing out of the computer for a moment and something pops in your head. So it's it's kind of fully integrated. I mean, it 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 shows up in my senses. uh, It shows up in my uh, internal life and my dream work. Um, and then I wait and see what what actually happened and see how it how it played out and uh, then you know I take notes to see okay this worked in a particular way and this uh, and and how why did it work differently this time even though I think I did everything the same so I keep track of stuff I don't know I think um, it's it's a hard question for me because I man, I don't think that there's a day that goes by that I don't do something that's uh, energy work or magic of one kind or another. Even something as simple as, uh, I mean, uh, one of our traditions covens is going to be here later today because uh, they're going to do their uh, spring equinox thing. And everybody always says, your coffee is really nice. And I say, yeah, do you want to see what kind it is? And I open up the freezer and pull out this big giant can of folders and they say, that can't be right. And I say, watch while I make the coffee. So I pouring the grounds, you know, into into the maker, and then I'm holding my hand over it for, and they're staring at me, like, "What are you doing?" And it says, "I am visualizing coffee beans and coffee trees and sunlight, and I am smelling the most delicious uh, Ethiopian coffee that I've ever had. And I'm reminding that coffee that it is kin to that coffee. So I, so I zap I zap the grounds before I make the coffee, and everybody says it tastes better that's amazing that's fantastic so but 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 the point is to get in the habit of every single day you do something that's magical I will say another thing I raise every morning as uh, soon as I'm actually lucid I wake up fast I get up at five five 30 every day and I have my first cup of coffee because I am an addict I need my coffee uh and then I will raise the energy and deposit it in myself to do whatever the things that are needed for the day and also, there are a variety of, of, of spiritual entities that i'm in regular contact with and uh rather and, and i put that kind of like as the backlog battery so that uh, uh the contact doesn't drain me in the moment i've already here here's the supply for the day to use for whatever that's awesome i i i uh i
0: definitely think that there's There's, there's quite, there's definitely virtue in, especially like you're saying, getting up super early in the morning, (laughs) getting yourself, getting yourself moving. I kind of have to do that as well, you know, and, uh, forming, um, a a morning routine, specifically one of energy work and Mm -hmm. meditation. Um, I, you know, that I was curious about that, about you know, how much and what kind of energy work do you do? Is it Qigong? Is it something that you've learned just, I guess, through
1: your, you know, your, your teachers? Is it Western? Half and half. Uh, I'm going to say that, uh, if you, if you needed to, to, uh, categorize it, I would say, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's lighting your solar fire, which is halfway, uh, uh, inner and halfway, uh, uh, uh Dantian. It's, it's so for me, it starts with uh, I'm lighting my inner sun every day. Mm-hmm. And, but do I at the same time, and it's something as simple as visualizing my inner sun grow brighter until I feel like I've uh, lit up from the inside and my whole body's like a golden lantern. And you know what? There's there's echoes of Asian stuff in there. There's echoes of Western stuff in there. Um, and I'm also on a on a modern science level, saying that I'm also activating the third largest uh, nerve cluster in my body, which is in the gut. You know, after after the brain and the spinal column, the uh, the the nerve the nerve cluster in the abdomen is the biggest uh, chunk of neural tissue in the body. So, so I think that that uh, at this point, many things that I do. Uh, if I want to, I can start teasing out how did I come to do that? But it really is an amalgamation of all the different things that I've been exposed to and what worked for me and what didn't. Um, I actually taught that technique to a friend. Uh, We were at an initiation ritual that was being held next door and uh, the house was a little on the chilly side and she's prone to feeling cold. So I told her, put your hands so that uh, uh, one is here, one is here, right over the abdomen. And I want you to breathe in Uh, Air and see the sparkles of light in the air until your lungs are glowing and then breathe in again until you see those glowing particles circulating into your blood and breathe again until you now have uh, them settling into your bones and your bones are glowing and now see the bright sun in the core of you light up and say, oh, she said, okay, I feel warm now. (laughs) That By the way, that particular technique, the reason we go from breath to blood to bone Mm. Is because a lot of times when you t- when people are given the instruction of breathe in energy, take in energy, it's a pretty common instruction, right? Yeah. Well, the, the thing is that the the uh, the uh, transfer rate from energy from from uh, from that you breathe in into your body is pretty slow. So so the people think that they've taken in as much as they can, but if you then tell them to move it into the blood and then move it into the bone, you basically are actually filling up your whole capacity rather than oh i breathed in as much as my lungs could take in that's all there is because people tend to lock in into the the physical sensation of my lungs are full means that i don't have any more room for energy
0: yeah i get i get a uh, a very tcm like traditional chinese medicine visualization from that it's very, it? it's very eastern i love that yeah i also because specifically because in that system obviously chi and blood are so interrelated so
1: yeah
0: yeah it's that again it's it's the active and or the the active and the receptive right there
1: that's a very cool uh very cool point yeah and, and, so and the bone the, bone, the, adds, bone adds duration for how long you can hang on to the energy interesting interesting yeah i
0: so uh, f- for everybody that's listened to this podcast, um, uh, I was wondering if you had, and I know this is kind of putting people on the spot, but it's just a, it's just a tradition, and yeah, I feel like, yeah. uh, I feel like, God, uh, <laughs> do you have for for everything that we've spoken about uh, in the last um, almost hour that people want to kind of investigate further and parse out for themselves? Um, do you have three recommendations, either in terms of books? Or in terms of uh, documentary or YouTube or anything like that, or practices uh, that you would recommend for people to start kind of exploring some of these ideas. Are we talking about
1: uh, magic in general? Yeah, sure. Magic, uh, energy work. Okay. And this is going to sound fairly random. Uh, In some regards, but I'm going to say it's coming from an offbeat place. Any of Rupert Sheldrake's books. Oh, wow. Now, the reason being that uh, there's a lot of cool stuff. Uh, Rupert Sheldrake uh, is the proponent for the uh, idea of morphogenetic field being the shaping influence for, for life forms. And I said any of his books because honestly, he is a little bit of a one-trick pony and all the books are really elaborations on the same theme to some degree or another. Okay, But I think that having a sense of your connection and place to life energy as it relates to species and to the ecology of life on the planet is an important place because even if you are doing um celestial magic or, or or working with spirits of various flavors you know what the bulk of the life the bulk of the magical energy that you will ever draw upon comes from other living beings on the planet so mm-hmm. that's that's the first place that you learn um i think do i have a copy of it nearby I pulling it out of the leaves all right <laughs> ancient tongue. Um, it is uh, just a book on astrology that is not mine, but uh, is called Astrology, the Divine Science. Mm. And it's by Marsha Moore and Mark Douglas. And it's out of print, but thankfully you can find copies of it. Now, why am I recommending it? Because it is a weird little niche uh, in, in that it, it talks about the planets, the signs uh the Change of the Ages it, it's a it's a soup to nuts kind of book but it's coming at it from a very spiritual and very magical perspective even though there's not a single spell or ritual in the book but it gives you that kind of background and if I had to say a way to get the language of astrology into your system by the way if you don't want to do astrology uh and and you'd prefer to be a kabbalah geek that's cool too or if alchemy is going to call it to you more or 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 hermetics I don't care but get a system into you and and have it solidified in you because uh we need to have symbols and words in order to do these things we really do and not to say that ecstatic stuff that goes beyond uh cognition and and uh, visualization doesn't happen a lot in magic it does but having a solid grounding in a symbol set is a very powerful first step to prepare for magic and i also tell anybody that if you do any kind of divination uh there all the tools of divination are tools of magic there is a reciprocity a transitive property that if something can be used to receive guidance it can be used to exert that exact same force or essence to create something but anyway but i love that book it's ancient uh Not ancient, ancient, but it's, it's out of print. It's old. But honestly, uh, that was one of the first books that I encountered and said, Oh, uh, I can use my astrology for magic. Even though the authors don't mention that. Now the, 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 you said three, and this is where I'm beginning to clog up because my head is now filled with more (laughs) books than three.
0: As many as you (laughs)
1: want, man. As many as you want, man. So I'm actually going to, uh, uh, since, since I mentioned her, I'm actually going to suggest uh, uh, Dolores Ashcroft Nowitzki's Highways of the Mind, uh, which is a a little tome on on path-working guided visualization. But uh, it gives you a lot of tools for uh, the work. Because I'm going to say that um, if you are doing a ritual properly, it is for all intents and purposes live action role playing a path working you're larping you're larping a path working you're, you're 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 enacting a dream uh and and it is through enacting the dream that and using the dream logic that connects to both higher and lower self that uh, magic happens so oddly enough one of the tools uh, that i find gets you there faster is learning how to dream walk so that as you're walking look if i'm walking in a ritual and i need an altar that is a, a nine sided altar made out of solid amethyst because I'm I'm doing a particular lunar working. Do you, um, I I don't have the budget for that. <laughs> however, however I can stand and I can make myself see uh, the altar that I put a purple cloth on be a nine sided uh, slab of amethyst acting as my altar so so that uh, the magic to compare it to something that uh, is in the popular mind right now, magic is augmented reality without the use of technology. Wow. Yeah. You're, you're seeing the overlay. You're seeing the overlay, except you're creating the overlay rather than uh, wearing Google glasses.
0: Yeah. And it's, it's really interesting because it takes time to, to form that. And that's, that's something that I try to explain to to students is that, um, you know, the, the question comes is, is like, the question that they consistently have is, is typically like, am I supposed to be seeing this stuff in the room or am I, am I just knowing that it's there? And well, I can tell you because I'm, I'm a little bit more, I'm a little bit, I definitely don't have the full kind of sensory experience that, that you have. Uh, but I definitely can see, feel and move energy. Yep. Um. And the thing is like the way that it's going to happen for me is going to be different. Um, right. You know, dispositionally and then not only that but the amount of time that i've spent developing this stuff but you know eventually i feel like you you develop the image in the mind the the imaginal faculty you know the astral faculty yeah, yeah. and you yeah. see it you see it there and then let's just use right boilerplate ritual that everybody knows the lbrp or the, the lesser right. ritual right. of the pentagram right. in general yeah yeah you should be seeing this overlay eventually yeah, when that yeah. skill is honed and you see it there as if it's real, but you know, it's, it's, it's not as, it's not the same as other three dimensional objects in the room. You know, it's there, you're projecting it. And it, that I mean, that's kind of, um. I've never really used that word before. So I'm glad that that you kind of peppered that out there overlay. It it truly is uh, magic definitely is all about um the overlay and you see it even if like you pick up you know if you pick up uh the black brick Regardy's black brick and you, you just thumb through some of the golden dawn rituals in there or the right. stella matutina right. rituals it, it you know, that's the first thing that's delineated. The rituals are path workings. They're telling you which path you're going to travel right now. Right, and right. then you've got the pillars right. that they move like a cursor where you're mm-hmm. going next. It's mm-hmm. the doorway mm-hmm. to which path you're about to traverse. But right. I I feel as if in this conversation, man, I truly do. I feel like I'm sitting at the feet of, uh, of a master here. So I'm, I'm really, really um, thankful that you took time out of your day to come and talk to me uh it's it's just been um brilliant and I'm so intrigued so you you're are you on like a a conference circuit or something like that
1: Where can people catch you uh if you're oh, working yeah. around uh so it's it's remarkably easy to find where i'm gonna be next uh my website is dominguez jr dot com and you know my full name and dot com and i list where I'm gonna be next. Uh, and that's the easiest way to keep track of me. Also go there because there are, you have to dig through a ton of pages, but there's a ton of path workings there for the eight seasonal holidays and full moon, dark moon, yada, yada. That's free content that you can listen to or download that might be uh, fun and useful. There's also a bunch of chants there as well. Um, There's also a link back to, I used to blog moderately regularly uh, and there's a link to where those all, are at the moment so that's the easiest way to find me and keep up with me honestly hey i'm going to say one last thing about path working though the conference yeah, that we're the conference so this is a practice that we do a lot um we're doing the uh large main ritual at this conference in uh between the world sacred space and uh also before the ritual that people attend there we've traditionally always written a pathworking that either people listen to it the day before or whatever this year we also recorded an mp3 of it and the pathworking is not one and the same as the as the as the outline for the ritual but it is thematically what is actually happening in the ritual and the experience, the quality of experience people have by having listened to a path working that basically explains the symbolism of the ritual before they attend the ritual is in some ways more effective than simply going through the outline of this. These are the ritual steps and these are the chants that we're going to be using. So I recommend if you're going to be doing a group ritual, uh, uh, consider the practice of uh, creating a short path working as a, a precursor work or prerequisite work for the ritual. Awesome.
0: Yeah. Well, I, uh, Evo Dominguez, Jr., thank you so much, man, uh, again for coming on the podcast. And um, I, I hope to speak to you again. Yeah, I had a lot of
1: fun. It's going be great.